Hey everybody. Hey everybody. Welcome back to our Odd Pod podcast. Oh my god, what's this podcast about? This podcast is about the odd, the macabre, and everything in between. And everything in between, including... But not limited to... Felicia looking like a pumpkin. Oh, I look like a pumpkin today, and I'm so cute. She has like an orange sweater and green hair. I... We bought a um, jack-o'-lantern bath mat for the kitchen. I know what you're thinking. You got a bath in your kitchen? Yeah, we do. No, it's for the sink. But now we're like full-on Halloween mode, I think. I instantly turn into Halloween mode. Immediately, Felicia has a candy corn sweater on. Pumpkin spices out. Pumpkin. Oh, I'm drinking. I guess that one's on me. I'm drinking pumpkin spice cold brew. The pumpkin is in the cold brew already. I added what's a little, up with that? Oh, what's the deal with pumpkin spice? Um, I added some maple brown sugar creamer, and it is fucking fantastic. Yeah, air conditioner's blowing. Feels like fall in here. Yeah, I'm gonna fall out of this chair. <laughs> I'm ready for really... I'm ready for Halloween to be here. Me too. And to be fair, July Fourth is over, so it is Halloween. Yeah. Until. As of yesterday, it was 69 days until Halloween. Can we get a nice in the chat? (laughs) Nice. Before we get started. Yes. I want to issue a trigger warning for this episode. Whoa, trigger warning. Something we should probably do for some of our other episodes. I think we did do for a couple, but we should probably do for more, to be honest. Um, This episode is a chat about death, and I understand that conversation like this can make some people uncomfortable. Um. So, if you think this episode may harm your well-being in any way, I would suggest clicking off, and we'll see you next week with something hopefully a little bit lighter. Uh, I somehow doubt, I mean, I guess anything's lighter than, like, specifically talking for an hour about death, but... Yeah. well, my goal here specifically is to talk about death in a matter-of-fact kind of way. Let's talk about death, um, baby. And that can come off across as, like, a little bit morbid sometimes, and that's okay. Um, But... I think because we don't talk about death enough, it makes people a lot more uncomfortable than it should. Well, I'm more, I'm having a full-on existential crisis already. Well, I made you dinner, so you just... Ooh, yeah. I'll just sleep through this episode. Yeah. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it was good, too. But yeah, we're talking about death. So if you feel like that's going to affect you mentally and put you in a negative headspace... Just go on and click off of it and come back when you're more prepared or not at all. Next week, we'll be back to our normal, uh, you know, murder, cryptids. That kind of stuff. UFOs. Speaking of those other episodes, yeah, you could find them at linktr.ee slash OOPP. OOPP here meaning our odd pod podcast. Thank Clever, you. I know. <laughs> you can also find us at www.ouroddpodpodcast.com. A lot to say, easy to remember. <laughs> our oddpodpodcast.com. Uh, and basically just anywhere podcasts are cast. I'm still finding us places that I did not sign up for us to be broadcast. So like That's insane to me. It's pretty exciting. Once you're on the internet, I guess, you're just out there. And if you like our intro and outro music, you can head on over to DarrenCurtisMusic.com and listen to a jaunty tune to expunge you from the uh, dark residue of this death talk that we're about to have. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Did you like my spiel? I did. That was wonderful. Should we pre-record? And then, no, you know what? That would make things easier. Yeah, you're right. Anywho. Anywho. Without further ado, let's talk about death, baby. I like that tune. Let's Mm. talk about death, baby. (laughs) Anyway, don't sue us. Take a sip and dive into it. All right, so. I remember sitting in my creative writing class way back when I was either in my sophomore or senior year in high school. Um, our assignment was to write about the 10 most important minutes in our lives thus far. This one kid, his name was Rusty. Rusty. My man Rusty. Oh, Rusty. Rusty. Rest in peace. Um, he wrote about sliding down a tube slowly and coming into a world that was way too bright, only to be met with the comforting face of a beluga whale smile. So he wrote about his birth? Yes. Is Rusty dead? You said R.I.P. Yes, Rusty oh. has since passed. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Um, 
And I don't think I've ever laughed so hard at the description of birth. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, but we're born, we live, and we die. And it's something we all go through. And that's it. That's all we have. <laughs> and while there are so many stories about the start of life, um, and there are, there are too few conversations about death, and for obvious reasons, it's uncomfortable for people. Right. No one wants to talk about it until we're suddenly face to like we're face to face with it, which is exactly why I want to talk about it. Okay. Professor Mark Bohe. Sorry, Mark says Bohe. Um, says we hold a lot of anxiety about what death means, and I think that's just a part of the human experience. Some people just really push it away and don't think about it until it's immediately in front of them. But it doesn't need to be this way, he says. The more people engage and understand death and know where it's heading, the better prepared the person is to be able to let go of the process and better prepared the family is to reconcile with it for a more peaceful death. Mm -hmm. Obviously, much like everything, death is not the same for everybody. I mean, technically. Well, we all die, but the manner in which we die is not the same. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, all kinds, a thousand ways even. There's a whole TV show about it. A literal whole TV. What's your, do you remember like your favorite? Yeah, mine was when the guy set himself on fire smoking outside because he was hooked up to an oxygen tank. <laughs> it's like, idiot. Um, But what I mean by the death is not the same for everybody, not everybody ends up on like hospice care. Right. Not everyone gets to die at home or in the hospital. The more violent ones are not the ones that I'm talking about today. Right. Um, so there are key physical processes that are commonly experienced by many people as they die. Okay. Um, whether it's from old age or from cancer or even following up like a major physical trauma. It is difficult to generalize how people will respond to the subject of death because each of us is unique. But we generally feel uncomfortable uh, at the thought of our own mortality. What often underlies this is uneasiness. However, thinking about the process of dying and the fear of a prolonged or painful death rather than the state of being dead. Oh, see, that is not my experience. Really? Yeah. What is your experience? I feel to me that anxiety comes from the state of being dead because there's like an uncertainty, right? Right. For everyone, not just me specifically. Uh, and depending on like your belief system or how you're raised or how you have observed your family responding to death, you know what I mean? Because like, I don't know, there's just like an anxiety. There's like that what if or what's next, you know? I feel like in my personal experience that people are more concerned with the process of dying versus like what happens afterwards. Mm. But that's just from like how I was brought up. and Right, right. Well, also, I feel that could be the case because we were also brought up around a lot of people who are very convinced that yes, yeah, that they know what happens after you die, you know? Yeah. So that probably... I'm sure that changes um, throughout different cultures and stuff that could also have like an influence on it. Right. And I didn't touch on religion when it comes to death. That might be like a... Well, we're not talking about the afterlife. We're talking about the process of dying. Right. So. Ironically, despite spending a lifetime walking around in the same body and doing our best to care for it, it, few seem to wonder what happens to their physical remains right after death occurs. So I want to talk about the moments leading up to actual death, what happens after someone passes, and the experiences and experiences from people who have passed away. Okay, and come back. And come back. Ooh. And if we have time, um, what happens after that? Like after you come back? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, not after you come back, after you after you've passed. Okay. What I specifically mean about that is like whether you choose to donate your body. Oh, okay, right. Or like what you... happens to your actual body. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Not you specifically. Not but... you Oops. specifically, but just like what could happen. Right. I really want to do a whole episode on body donation. Okay. All right. There's a party in the parking lot. I see. I, see. I wish it would start raining again. <laughs> okay, so. Leading up to someone's death can begin weeks to months beforehand. In medical terms, the refractory symptoms refractory sy symptoms occur. 
refractory? I mean, I'm assuming it's refractory. Why does it sound like I have a tomato stuck in my throat when I say it? Maybe you do have a tomato stuck in your throat. Mm. Have you checked? No. Well, there you go. These are the stubborn and irreversible symptoms that refuse to accept treatment. The earliest signs, however, are breathlessness, severe appetite loss, weight loss, fluid retention, fatigue, drowsiness, delirium, jaundice, and nausea, and an overall overall drop in physical function. Okay. Simple actions such as moving from a bed to a chair can become exhausting. They withdraw from the new, like from news Uh-oh. and activities <laughs> and other people. Oh shit! <laughs> there was one point when I was writing my notes today. I was like, "Am I dying?" Maybe we're dead already. Apparently, the world ended in 2014. So I mean, 2012. Oh, I thought it was 14. 12. Are you sure? I wrote that whole episode. I'm, the place where they couldn't time travel past. I thought it was 2014. Oh. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, And this is because the, there is a drop in the body's met- metabolic process, which causes a drop in energy levels. That makes sense. Story checks out. Yeah. In someone's final days, they will become progressively more fatigued. Their sleep-wake patterns are more random. Um, Their coughing and swallowing reflexes are slower. They respond less to verbal commands and gentle touch. If there is a reduced blood flow to the brain or a chemical imbalance, they might have hallucinations. Okay. Um, Hospice nurses say that when people start dreaming or seeing loved ones that have passed around them, it is a real signal that that they're on their way out, whether or not it looks like it. And these hallucinations can often help the person experience them to be, like, more at peace. Uh-huh. So it's best not to correct them. Yeah. Um, they are no longer interested in eating, which is something I don't think I'll ever have a problem with. <laughs> um, they lose interest. we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, the day I don't want to eat dinner is the day. Just take me right to the doctor. Um, they lose interest in eating because the taste and smell diminishes. That makes sense. Uh, they sleep more. Body temperature can fluctuate. Go um, on. I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> now, the end-of-life journeys are complex. Some people will slip into a coma, but for some, they might get a burst of energy. They are ready to rally. All right. Um, they will become more stable. They might want to talk more. They will want to eat and drink again. Um, this period of perking up can be accompanied by such a notable change in cognition and mental clarity that hospice professionals have coined the phrase terminal lucidity. Wow, terminal lucidity. I've never actually, I don't think I've heard that term. I've never heard it described as that, but I love it. Yeah, that's crazy. In like a weird, morbid way. Well, also it's kind of like a, that gives you the opportunity to speak with your loved ones coherently before you go. So that's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. I just imagine like they're like ready for like one more night out on the town. Yeah. We're about to take grandma to the bar. We're, we're going to tear it up. We're going to tear it up. One last time with grandma. <laughs> yeah. Playing bingo. Karaoke. Karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, this change in behavior goes against everything families like learn about the physical signs that the end of life is near. Um, and a rally or terminal lucidity can last can last for a few moments or even for a few days. And obviously, this can be very hard for the people around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can I could see that. I kind of remember that from last year. Whenever someone close to us had passed. Uh huh. So. Oh, oh, oh yeah! Wow, damn. And I don't mean to like bring it up, but no, yeah, uh, I didn't think about that. But you're right; they were very. Um, they were talking about how they were doing a lot better. Yeah, and then bam, gone. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your eyes look a little wet. That's fine. Uh, they do that sometimes. It's just dust. I, I don't have any emotions. Do we need to take like a um, like a nope. palate cleanser break? No, we're good. Let's keep going. Yeah. Okay. My eyes instinctually like watered up because we're talking about my dead relative like it's fine let's keep going okay i'm sorry no it's cool i shouldn't have brought it up it's fine okay eventually 
It all fades back to how they were acting before. As death nears, it is common for a person's breathing to change. Slowing down, speeding up, noisy and shallow. All is normal, and it's all triggered by a reduction in blood flow. It is not painful. Um, Hospice nurses have talked about a gurgle-like death rattle. Ooh, the death rattle. I've heard that before. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. don't know that I have. Really? Yeah. Which is weird, right? Yeah, I feel like you would all people would know about the death rattle yeah well i feel like typically whenever i uh was there um we were past that point (laughs) (laughs) you know um the death rattle is caused by some secretions in the back of the throat and since coughing reflexes are have slowed down the body does not shift them like you can't uh away right so um another irregular breathing pattern is known as Sheen Stokes. Okay. Oh, uh, wait. Uh, is C-H-E-Y-N-E? Yeah. How do you um, say it? I want to say it's Shane Stokes. Shane but Stokes? actually, I've only read it. I don't know that I've ever said it out loud. If I, That's like agonal breathing, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it is often common in people approaching death. They take one or several breaths followed by a long pause with no breathing at all and then another breath. And I imagine this is like in those movies where they're trying to make you laugh at somebody dying while they say things. Yeah. Um, and they're like, I left something. It's like <gasps> it's like irregular. It's not good breathing. Like you're not really getting oxygen. It's just kind of like your body is trying to breathe and it looks like maybe you're breathing, but it's wrong. Yeah. Like if you look at it, you can kind of tell. It um, just reminds me of like when someone is actively dying in a movie and they're like, tell your mom. Yeah, they just keep waking up. I love her. Yeah. And her lasagna is shit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's kind of like how I pictured it. Damn, it's fucked up. I can't remember how to pronounce that word. Um, I've read it a lot. I don't know that I've ever said it out loud. Well, I probably butchered it the first time you've heard it. It's fine. It almost looks like cayenne pepper, but <laughs> yeah, it's cayenne breathing. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, and it's very likely that I am mistaken, that's agonal breathing. Like, uh, if you saw it, you would know it. You know. I just described it perfectly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because that's why, if you saw it, you'd know it because you just described it so perfectly. I know. They'll use that in textbooks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm lectures i can actually hear them writing it in a textbook right now as we speak i know (laughs) um restlessness occurs in nearly half of all people who are passing this is just a natural physiology the brain is trying to keep functioning just like with the breathing thing excuse me Mm -hmm. changes in circulation also means a person's heartbeat becomes fainter while their skin can become more pale or a gray blue especially on the knees feet and hands because your body shunts blood from your extremities to your core to um, keep you alive. Yeah, and sweating. Okay, well, I originally wrote this. Um, it said swearing. Swearing? Could yeah. be. So when you just start cussing a lot. Yeah, when you cuss a lot, you know, well, I'm on the way out. <laughs> um, or clamminess may be present in the hands. Okay. Um, so thus far... I am actively dying currently. <laughs> well, I feel sweating a lot. Profuse sweating is never a great sign. It's like your body's working too hard to do something. You know what I mean? Just living here. Giving up. <laughs> it's too hot here in L.A. Here in L.A. <laughs> L.A. That's not, it's not lower. It's Louisiana. Yes. It's funny because... Both of us were from L.A. We, I'm pretty sure people used to say that. Oh, I used to from. tell people I was from L.A. And by L.A., I mean lower Alabama. Right. It's just funny that that's the, we that's what I would tell experienced people, the same joke being That's what I would tell places. people when I was in Greece. They'd be like, where are you from? Oh, we're from L.A. <laughs> like you, uh, California? No, lower Alabama. <laughs> Did just, they love it? Or? Just stare at you like, what? What? The only one that matters. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway. So for a dying person, there can be a real sense of readiness. Like this is a safe cocoon in the last day or two of life. Mm-hmm. There is an element of letting go to death. The guy that I quoted before, 
at the very beginning of this episode. Dr. Boy. Dr. Boy says, we see situations where people come, seem to hang on for certain things to occur or to see somebody significant, which then allows them to go. I literally, I'm not even kidding. I just had this conversation with someone. Really? Uh, Sunday night. Really? They were talking about a loved one of theirs that was like, um, just sort of lingering, right? And the last person who hadn't came and saw them came to see them. Oh. And then as soon as they left, they died. So, maybe, yeah. Got the little, I got the little warm and fuzzies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's nice when that can happen, though, like, yeah, not everyone gets a chance to uh, see them. Not everybody gets that chance, and that's why not to keep harping on your relative. Yeah. I was like, you need to get on that phone call. Right. That was um, I, that was different. I thought this was a different person I was thinking of. The rally. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uncomfortable pause. Uncomfortable pause. It was, to be fair, it was like one relative one week, one the very next week. So like, you know. Yeah. It's a little overlap. It was a rough time. Yeah. It was not a great month. But uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> not at Not all. a good month at all. Thank you, coronavirus. Um. Anyway. Um. But to con- continue that quote that I was just saying, mm-hmm. I've seen someone talk to a sibling overseas and then they put the phone down and then they die. Oh, damn. It's like they're just hanging on for that last moment. Oh, that was right. That was the doctor's quote. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Which quote? Um, It is hard to know how long it may take for someone to finally pass, but it is stressed throughout my entire research on the subject that most expected deaths are not painful. Interesting. And obviously, like if you're in hospice care, if they feel like you might be uncomfortable, they're going to give you some kind of medicine to make you comfortable. Also, like everything leading up to that could have been the painful part. You know what I mean? Yeah, but if you're in the doctor's office at that point, they're doing everything they can to at least make you comfortable. Yeah, safe bet, yeah. Um, so at this point, you slip into a state of unconsciousness and you fade away. It's the easiest thing you'll ever do. Um, and we often think of the moment of death as that time in which our heartbeat and breathing stops. We are learning, however, that death is an instant. Our brains are now thought to continue on a, to work quote-unquote, for at least 10 minutes or so after we die, meaning that our brains may in some way be aware of our death. Um, uh, sorry, go ahead. I have something to add, but I'll wait till you're finished. The research, however, is only very preliminary. Okay. What do you need to add? I have also read that your brain has like 10 minutes of activity after you die. Yeah. Okay. And if you think about how you can fall asleep... You can have an entire like adventure worth of a dream and wake up and like three minutes has passed in the real world. Yeah. Like if you translate dream time to waking time. You could have like hours of dreams. You could have like an entire lifetime in 10 minutes. So technically you could be dead right now. Stop it. And you're just dreaming your reality while your brain slowly dies. Everyone's going to have like an existential crisis after this. <laughs> if I have to have an existential crisis after this, God damn it, you're coming with me. Everyone just needs to go out and buy a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Yes. Cozy up with a blanket. Just find the people you like because you might already be dead. Stop it. <laughs> In a hospital setting, as we have talked about before on this show, there are a few requirements for doctors to use to define death. Mm-hmm. You remember us from like the Lazarus episode? Oh yeah, we did have an episode about that. That was a fun episode. Not yeah. as bleak as this one. You know what? I'm trying really hard to keep it light, but it is hard. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, like it's this. Sometimes it's just like that. It's just like it's hard to be funny about such a serious topic, like actual death. You know what I mean? And I feel like. I've been desensitized to it. Yeah. Because I'm so into it. So into death. Like, I'm so oh my into God. death. Such an edge. I feel like I'm. I'm so edgy. I mean, like. She's so quirky. In, I feel like we in my field deal with death a lot as well. 
So like it's easy to kind of talk about in a less serious way, I guess. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like you almost have to be a little desensitized to like function. You know what I mean? So I feel you. I feel well, you, dog. In the fields that I want to be in deals 100% with death. Yes. So. And only. It's and like only the, that's death. That's the whole field. It's 100% one, 100 the entire field <laughs> of death. I want to be a mortician so bad. Yeah. Um. So at this point, I've pretty much desensitized myself to the whole idea of death. There we go. And to begin with. We just got to get on that Delgado train. If anybody knows of like a, a dead body I could just hang out with for a few days, <laughs> you guys let me know. I'll be there in a Maybe minute. Maybe don't. If you have a dead body that we can hang out with, I don't want to know about it because you probably killed them and I don't want to be next. I didn't want to be like... I want to be around for a little while, you know? No, I'm just mean like, should you choose to hang out with your dead after they've died? Maybe call a girl up. I just need to like desensitize myself to the body. Okay, I got you. Picking up what I'm putting down. I feel you. We're almost done talking about the process of dying. Okay. Okay. Have we talked about the process of dying? Because like we are all over the place as per usual. Yeah, that's all we've been talking about this far. Okay, just making sure that we're hitting the right bullet points. At this point, we've died. We're following. Okay, we're dead now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure we're following your timeline. Yeah. Okay. We're, we just died. All right. We are now dead. Dead. And we are experiencing life. 10 minutes in our brain. As our brain slowly oh. dies. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So, the doctors used to define death. These include the absence of a pulse, the absence of breathing, the absence of reflexes, and the absence of pupillary constriction in response to bright light. Yep, that's a pretty good sign, yeah. unless you're blind. Well, but I'm sure they have other factors. Right. Like, you know, three out of four ain't bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in an emergency setting, paramedics look for the five stages of irreversible, irreversible death to determine when to resuscitate, when resuscitation is not possible. Mm -hmm. Do you know what they are? Uh, rigor mortis. No. Splotching. What? It's like when your skin gets splotchy. After you've died? Yeah. No, this is when you, like, resuscitation is not possible. Okay, why don't you just tell me? I didn't look it up. I was hoping you had it. Oh, why would I have it? Because you were an EMD. Okay. All I know is that they look at them, and if there are certain signs of they, obvious death. They look at them, and they're like, mm -mm. Like, if they have... Put my mouth on that. Rigor mortis... Or their skin's all splotchy, or there's pooling they of their blood. They would have been dead for that to happen. Yeah. And we'll get to it. I'm sorry, was that not the question? No. Okay. What was the question? Paramedics look for the five signs of irreversible death to determine when resuscitation is not possible, and they are. And you actually didn't list the five things? No, but I'm going to look it up real quick. I was like, you're that confident that I was going to know the answer? You know I'm not a paramedic, right? Yeah, but you hung out with a bunch of them. I know that they call the doctor. Five and signs they say, Hey, doctor, this is what we got going on. And the doctor says, Yeah, it sounds, it sounds good. You could probably stop. Oh. <laughs> what? All right, so that's what I looked up. Five signs of irreversible death. First result. Decapitation. Yeah. Decomposition. Mm -hmm. Postmortem lividity. Postmortem rigidity. And burn beyond recognition. I feel like I said four of those things. That's just not like, not was that what I was expecting. Thank you. You thought I was joking. No. It's like, oh, their head's taken off. Surely we can't resuscitate did them. Did I say, I did say obvious death, right? Like obvious signs? Because that's one. That's for real one, like major trauma decapitation. Like you look at a person without a head, you're obviously you can't. We're not going to resuscitate. Right. Air will just go through the neck hole. Hey, um, I don't think we it's can. Not gonna, it's not even going to reach the lungs. I don't think that we can do good CPR on this guy. He's headless. His, Thank you. His, you all heard her laugh at me, right? His neck is not attached to his body. You all heard her laugh at me. I'd like my parametric friends to be impressed that I knew three of those four answers. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's just so funny. Like the picture next to it is just a guy laying on his back. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like they got to be specific like that, though. For that to be a thing, somebody tried to resuscitate a headless corpse. 100%. It had to have happened, right? Yeah, it has to. They're like, I keep breathing in this dude's mouth, but his chest is not coming up, rising. It just sounds like this. <laughs> God. <laughs> God. <laughs> Thank you. Read the five again. Read them to us again. Wait, hold on. Okay, so five signs of irreversible death. Mm -hmm. Decapitation. Decomposition, mm -hmm. postmortem lividity, which is pulling, uh, postmortem rigidity, which rigor is, mortis, thank you, burn beyond recognition. I forgot about the burned one, but yeah, I remember in an episode of CSI where somebody was burned beyond recognition and they were alive. And what was that? A TV show? Yep. Which means it must be true. It has to be. I know. I mean, like I've heard a story where a person was like rotted to the bed. Ugh. And they were like, oh, hey, we found this corpse. And when they tried to move it. Is this were... the movie Seven? No, it wasn't Seven. This is like real life. Oh, God. This dude was part of the mattress and he was still alive. Put him out of his misery. Isn't that crazy? That's disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Is he okay? I have no idea. You're like, no. I don't even remember where I heard the story, but I heard it from somebody uh, that has uh, obviously seen more shit than me. I'm going to look that up later. I'm going to refrain from doing more Googling searches. Okay. Now. All right. Okay. Back to the show. Back to the show. Oh, yeah. We're doing a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. What were we doing? We weren't just Googling things. Okay. Okay. So um, the definition of brain death includes the absence of a brain stem reflexes, the inability to breathe without a ventilator, neurolo and neurologic unresponsiveness. The diagnosis is used to declare a legal death, such as before organ donation. Okay. Makes um, sense. I would also like to do an episode on organ donation. I think it's really cool. I feel like that can go in the body donation episode. Sure can. Somebody write that down. Write it down. Okay. Who's writing? I don't have a pen. Ah. Steve. After he, he death is write. confirmed, the timeline of a physical process is as followed. Please. At hour one. Okay. All the muscles in your body relax. This is called primary placidity. All the stress you've been... What? You're... Okay. Get it out. <laughs> Sorry. Primary flaccidity was my nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> All the stress you've been carrying in your shoulders and neck is finally relieved. Mm -hmm. um, this is called primary flaccidity. Eyelids lose their tension and pupils dilate and the jaw might fall open and the joints and the limbs are flexible. With the loss of tension in the muscles, skin will sag, which can cause prominent joints and bone in the body to become pronounced. Mm. As your muscles continue to relax, so does your sphincter. Oh, oh, yep. There I'll it goes. Leave it up to your imagination as to what happens. You poop yourself. You will poop yourself. All that's coming out. I mean, like if you're holding one in. I mean, I feel like our, I just feel like you're kind of always in a unknowing perpetual state of holding in a shit, right? If you're lucky like that, what's it like to be God's favorite? What's it like to be God's favorite? Because I can hold my poop? What are you trying to say? And like, I don't actively need to poop at all times. Oh, I get it. No, I just mean like once all those muscles relax, whatever is in your bowels is coming out, right? Not necessarily but if you're holding one in yeah that's true because like the muscle spasms is kind of what pushes it down okay, to well, this is not a <laughs> different podcast <laughs> <laughs> anyway within minutes of the heart stopping something called pallor mortis causes the body to grow pale as blood drains from the smaller veins in the skin mm -hmm. this process is more visible with those with lighter colored skin versus darker skin interesting that makes sense right Yes. With that being said, I might already be dead. At the same time, the body begins to cool from its normal temperature, you know, the average 98.6, until it reaches the ambient temperature around it. This is known as Al Gore Mortis. Or, Al Gore Mortis? Or Death Chill. Death Chill, also known as Man Bear Pigitis. <laughs> um, the body will decrease in body temperature at a decreasing rate at 1.5 degrees per hour. Okay. This knowledge of Al Gore Mortis 
can help forensic scientists approximate the time of death. Nice. Okay. Assuming the body hasn't completely cooled or... I always wondered how they did that. I mean, like, obviously, if it's, like, certain stage of decomp, you can tell. But I've always wondered, like, within a few hours how they knew. This is why... They don't like to call them body farms anymore, but I can't remember the PC term for it right now. But this is why body farms are so important. Is body farm not a PC term? No, I, I heard something that corpse you know, garden. Corpse garden. Is that better? Is that better, America? Corpse garden. I love corpse garden. Yeah, I like corpse garden. My How about in high school? Uh, cadaver carnival? <laughs> oh, cadaver corral. Yeah, that, that's one all I me? got. Okay. Zoological cadet. I don't know. I'm I'm done. Just quit while you're ahead. Yeah. Okay. So let's stop with the uh, corpse. What did I say? Corpse corral. No, that was cadaver corral. It was corpse garden. Corpse garden. Corpse garden. Cool band name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I made that joke already. Oh. Did you? Yeah. Oh shit! I didn't even hear it. <laughs> I was so wrapped up in how awesome I am. I didn't hear your funny joke. Sorry. That's okay. At two to six hours, because the heart is no longer pumping blood, gravity begins to pull it to areas that the body is closest to the ground. Um, this is called liver mortis. Liver mortis. If the body remains undisturbed for long enough, the parts of the body nearest the ground can develop discoloration from accumulating blood. Sometimes embalmers refer to this as postmortem stain. Mm. Postmortem stain. That's a good band name, too. There's a lot of um really good metal band names yeah, coming up. Let's start a band. Postmortem Stain will be our first album. Postmortem Stain will be our first album, and our band name will be Corpse Garden. Corpse Garden. Yeah, yeah, I like it. At around three hours after death, rigor mortis sets in. This is the stiffening. Um, it's like the opposite of a premature flaccidity or whatever it's called. Primary. Yeah, flaccidity. primary. <laughs> This is the stiffening of like uh, muscles. The first muscles affected will be the eyelids, the jaw, and the neck. Stop winking at me. <laughs> Over the next several hours, rigor mortis will spread to the face, down through the chest, the abdomen, the arms, and the legs until it finally reaches the fingers and the toes. Hashtag clerks. If you know, you know. I shudder. <laughs> oh. Um. Interestingly, the old custom of placing coins on the eyelids of the deceased might have originated from the desire to keep the eyes shut since rigor mortis affects them the quickest. Really? Yeah. I thought it was like a for the fairy man or whatever. Right, maybe both. Could be like, both. Well, it does make sense why it would have persisted into a time period where no one believed that you paid the fairy to cross the river sticks anymore, you know. So, eyelids Wow. Coins on the eyelids keep them down. Or like somebody asked the priest, like, why do you do that? And they're like, oh, uh, panic. Uh, I don't know, to pay yeah. Charon, the ferryman. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Charon? Don't ask me. I'm going to say it's Sharon. C-H-A-R-O-N. I'm going to say it's Sharon. The pay HR lady at Target. Sharon to cry. She's like, uh, no payment, no crossing. She's like, I'm Sharon, the ferryman. She's like, you missed a clock in. You're five minutes late. We already crossed over. You're stuck here. You have a missing time punch. You going to fix that? But I have two pence. I don't care if you have four pence. You're late. You're late. Anyway. Sorry. Sorry. Anxiety. You have anxiety? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> this is work anxiety creeping into my podcast oh. <laughs> time. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. That's not funny. But Yesterday it... wasn't hard at all. Yesterday wasn't hard at all. Forced smile, watery eyes. Great. Both hosts have cried on this episode. I did not. <laughs> that, was an, that was another episode. The weepy eyes. So within 7 to 12 hours, maximum muscle stiffness uh, occurs. Limbs of the deceased are difficult to move and to manipulate. Mm-hmm. Um, 12 hours and beyond, the muscles will begin to loosen again due to cell death. This is secondary flaccidity. Okay. Cell death. I'm a, I am know about that one. Yeah. That's when your cells die. You're so smart. I know. <laughs> the skin will begin to shrink, creating the illusion that the nail and hairs have grown. Once secondary flaccidity is complete, all the muscles in the body will be 
relaxed. And that m- making it look like your hair and nails grow uh, is what caused uh, to the vampire panics. Yeah. Or it helped. Didn't hurt. It didn't hurt, right. Um, and after that, decomp starts, which I'm not going into. Good, because it's probably gross. I love it. People might be eating breakfast right now. No, well, I hope. Hope that's going okay. Yeah. Also, if I don't know, maybe you're in your car. I hope you're having a good drive. I saw what that asshole did. It's okay. You're better than that. <laughs> um. So that's all I have on like the process of dying and then what happens after death. Okay. Um. I found just to like lighten things up a little bit because I know that was a dark episode. Thanks for hanging oh, in there, very guys. Very dark. Woo. If you made it this far, some like awkward pauses, some tears were shed, a little wet eye action going on. Yeah. Um, I found a, a article on Reddit forum. I don't. I wouldn't thread, call it an article. A thread. Yeah. A thread, thread on Reddit. R slash. Uh, what was it? R slash. Ask Reddit, and it was redditors who have been clinically dead and revived resuscitated what did dying feel like and did you see anything while it's passed on Ooh. um they're not really funny as well as just kind of like informative interesting interesting i think okay would be the right word so <laughs> with like no uh fanfare fanfare and no order in which they are like least terrifying to most terrifying okay so some of them are scary I don't think they're scary more. It's rather just like matter of factly. This is what happened. Okay, cool. Let's uh, let's dive in. Okay, and I, I didn't look up the names either because it's probably fine. Yeah, I've got the Reddit thread pulled up. If anybody wants me to link them to it, I will. So maybe uh, one user wrote, "I was getting an angiogram done, wide awake, watching the screen, talking to the doctor, when alarms started to go off and everyone became panicked. My world became soft and foggy, and everything faded to black." Next thing I remember, I was opening my eyes and hearing the doctor say, we got him back. It was really a peaceful feeling more than anything. Weird. That's crazy, dude. That is crazy. At least he was like, we got him back. At the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Um, another user wrote, I collapsed during class, during a class presentation one day. All breathing and blood circulation had stopped. I felt as if I was plummeting down an endless hole while my peers cried for help. I was revived and still have no memory of the little bit of time before and after my death. Weird. Okay. That one kind of creeped me out a little bit. That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be falling forever. I'm not down with that. I don't know. Um, it might be fun. Be like on a, a eternal roller coaster. Do you think it's gonna be like that scene, like in Spy Kids? I don't. I haven't seen Spy Kids. I saw Shark Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Is that the same thing? That came after Spy Kids. How okay. did you see that? I don't know. Spy Kids just didn't interest me. <sighs> we Shark... are watching Spy Kids. Okay, fine. You know, they made a sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl. They made a sequel to Spy Kids. And they have a kid. What? Shark Boy and Lava Girl have a kid. Aren't they brothers? That's what I thought, too. I had to look it up. No, they're not. Weird. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about they're that. They're not siblings. They were just fellow superheroes. I was also very concerned. Like, wait a minute. That seems like they're... Was their baby purple? I don't think so. Well, they had I don't some care. kind of superpowers, too. I don't remember what they were. I don't care. I then. think they were water based, which seems, you know. Anyway. I'm sure Shark Boy was very proud. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, it wasn't Taylor Lautner that played him in the new movie. So, what are you even doing? Huh? His career was over Isn't before it, Disney? it started. You can't afford fucking. Werewolf man? Werewolf man. Get your shit together, Disney. Another user on Reddit wrote. <laughs> Sorry. Overdose on heroin. EMT said my heart stopped. Didn't see anything. Just like sleeping with no dreams. Weird. Yeah, I could get down with that. Have you ever seen a movie called Wrist Cutters? No. We need to watch that. Sounds triggering. We need to watch that. Um, another user wrote, I collapsed at work. At a work meeting, February 2014, had no pulse or cardiac cardiac rhythm for about five minutes. My last memory was from about an hour prior to the incident, and my next memory was two days later when I emerged from a medically induced coma. Yikes. No dreams or anything, huh? Nothing. That sucks, see? That's not going to be like that. (laughs) 
Um, another user wrote, I flatlined for around 40 seconds. It was like falling asleep without dreaming and no sense of self. Yeah, that's the end of life. We all crave nothingness. Nothingness. Don't like that. Really? No. kind of like it. Just don't um, like the idea of like having one existence and then you're nothing. You don't exist anymore. It kind of bums me out. Reincarnation, baby. Maybe it's all subjective to what you believe. Well, I'm fucked. <laughs> Can't help you there. Another user wrote, pure, perfect, uninterrupted sleep, no dreams. See? Sounds I'm great. seeing a theme here. Sounds great. It, sound, it only sounds great because you can, uh, you can sort of objectify how great the sleep was by waking up. <laughs> you know? Great sleep that never ends with no dreams is nothing. There's no feeling. There's no sensation. Nothing. Out like a light. Awful. Um, couple more. Another user wrote, I do remember a little bit of the ambulance ride, but not from my own body. It was seriously the strangest thing I had ever experienced. It could have been a dream, but I saw my own unconscious body completely flatlined in the ambulance. I remember the EMT who was in the ambulance with me, whom I did not see before I had passed out, had mint green hair, and I couldn't remember his name, but I asked for him when I regained consciousness about three days later. And they were like, he died three years ago in that very ambulance. No, I want to know what service they worked for where they could have mint green hair. Wasn't it like in New Orleans, you can have tattoos and all that stuff? I mean, like, like tattoos are different, yeah. But you can have that here. You can have tattoos. And, well, you can have tattoos and beards here now. Now? Like, I don't think, I think tattoos haven't been a thing for a while because they started realizing that the people who came to this line of work were heavily tattooed, you know. And they were just like, we're going to have to. It's like you got a bunch of veterans coming. Like, I don't know. I just feel like veterans have a high likelihood of having like a lot of tattoos. Not always, obviously, but like a lot of people. Maybe just the ones I hung out with. A lot of people have tattoos. (laughs) Yeah. We're just been tattooed folk around like, here. We should probably allow people to have tattoos if we want to like staff our <laughs> people. Our people, yeah. Um, somebody else said I was standing in front of a giant wall of light. It stretched up and down, left and right, as far as I could see. Um, kind of like putting your eyes six inches from a fluorescent light bulb. The next memory memory I have is waking up in the hospital. Plot twist. That's like a giant like a spiritual lantern and if he would have gotten close to the light he would have zapped like a moth oh geez that's not where i was going with that (laughs) out of existence if he would have turned around he would have saw the people going oh don't go towards the light uh the next one's kind of creepy yeah okay so i was standing somewhere there was fog all around me and i saw my best friend who at the time i had been fighting with and he had stopped talking to me come out of the mist he told me that i couldn't go yet that i have to keep trying and that if I promised not to give up, he'd see me back on Earth. I wordlessly agreed, and I was instantly pushed, question mark, back into my body. And then did they make up with their best friend? There was not a follow-up. Why would, it, why would they leave that part out? I want to know, damn it. <laughs> Bastards. Bastards. Chocolate really, it cutter. left me wanting. Wanting more. Ah. Um, the next. Got blue ears. <laughs> Uh, next person said, when I coded, I don't remember a sensation of floating, but I was able to recall things in detail that happened while I was quote unquote dead on the other side of the room. No white lights, no dead relatives, nobody telling me to go back, but I was definitely able to see things that were in no way visible from where my body was. I remember speaking and being angry because nobody would answer me. My mother told me, you didn't say anything. You were dead. Hmm. And... One last one to give you the most uh, existential crisis. Yes, just bring on that dread. Let's end it here. I saw nothingness, black, long, empty, but I had a feeling like everything was great and nothing was wrong at all. Imagine how pre-existence felt, much the same as post-existence. Here's my thing with that one. They're experiencing the nothingness. That's different from not existing. Right, I don't. Sure. I can't say that like an eternity of experiencing nothingness eventually wouldn't be like insanity, but I don't know. At least they're experiencing it, you know. It kind of feels like, though, 
that. They're like, oh, it's much like what I felt like before I was born. Okay. Seems weird that they would know what that felt like. Because they did say pre-existence. Maybe that moment. It was like they imagined how pre-existence felt. Maybe in that moment they remembered what it felt like to exist before they existed. So if you feel the same after you die that you did before you existed, maybe that's like some kind of uh, reincarnation thing. You yeah, know? but they said they felt like everything was great and nothing was wrong. So That's what I want to experience, just floating through nothingness, feeling awesome. Feeling great. Everything's feeling good. fine. Everything's fine. We exist. Anyway. Anyway. Thanks for that um, little tiny bit of existential dread. We'll go for a walk later and clear your mind. Yes. Uh, one thing I love to think about is the non-existence of dying. Like, forget that not everybody has such a comfortable relationship with death as maybe I do in a not-so-edgy kind of way. Yeah, no, I feel you. Some people, like, that nothingness is what they want. Yeah. Like, the thought of not existing for some people is, like, awesome. It's kind of like the goal here. It's like the goal, struggling. It just feels like it's a life of struggle, and the reward is nothing. It, it just seems kind of like a jip. That was, that was a very bleak. <laughs> just, it's a whole life of nothingness, and the end is no, nothing. No, a whole life of struggle, and then you... A whole life of struggle, and it the just end feels is a little, nothing. It feels kind of like a jip. So... You know what? I want to talk to whoever's in charge of this. I would like a refund. I want to speak to your manager. Oh, the Karen <laughs> comes out. Just imagine Billy wearing a short skirt and having an A-line bob. Oh, you're welcome. Wink, wink. <laughs> wank, wank. <laughs> right, now that we put that existential crisis into your Ooh, head. I know. I, anyone else, I feel cold. Does anyone else feel cold? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, I guess that's it. That's it. So enjoy the rest of your, if you're listening to this in the morning, enjoy the rest of your day with these fucking fun thoughts in your mind. Maybe find it comforting. Yeah, and just remember that you could already be dead, so really there's no point in worrying oh about it. Oh my god, stop it. I'm just saying. So, shall we end? Let's end. All right, as always, we, we are, are the, the Boneses, Boneses, and we, we are, are out. out.